Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Atlantic Bushcraft Adventures. Tonight, episode 72, titled, Now You See Me, Now You Don't, Making Your Gear Visible. And I mean, it's a pretty self-explanatory title. Uh, I guess the idea tonight is just some suggestions, some thoughts, uh, some things you can do, literally just so you don't lose your gear in the woods. Like, how many times have you been out in the woods and you set something down and you're like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. You turn your back for two seconds and it's gone. You know what I mean? It's not that you lost it. It's It just blends in with stuff or something got kicked over it or something like that. It's real easy to do. I know myself, I've lost a couple knives this way. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the most common one. Everybody has a story of like, oh yeah, I put my knife down. I swear it was right here. And I mean, that is the last time you see that knife. Hopefully somebody else came behind you and found themselves a knife. At least they're getting something out of it. But I mean, you must have a story like that, Ben. Everybody knows somebody. I, I have had, I've got a few stories. Um, at the first knife I lost, I was I was actually in the military, I was in the reserves. And I remember I bought this little knife. It was a neat little tiny knife, and it it pivoted halfway up the handle, so it became basically a shank. <laughs> uh, possibly illegal. I bought it from like knife and things, but it, it had a, a neat little holster in it, so it was actually in shank mode when it was in the holster. And then when you opened it up, it was like a really short, little tiny detail knife. It was awesome. I was just walking through the woods, and the clip that hold it in was was activated by an, an external pressure, and I figured it hit a branch or something and just flicked out. Um, and I went back, and it was a tiny little black knife with a, uh, an etched blade, so it was kind of dull. I never, I never found it. Um, and it, and it's true, like a lot of stuff. Once you lay it down, and and I'm bad for this generally in life, like. I used to be an aircraft mechanic, and I tell you, I, I was losing tools all the time. I don't know how I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a real common thing to do. I, I mean, it's not, it's not foolishness or anything like that. I think it's just human nature. We're a busy species. Uh, society has a lot pressed down on us, and I'm not saying anything bad about that. But realistically, like we have other obligations, we've lots on our minds. It's real easy to set something down, and it's just classically misplaced. Well, and most of it we do eventually find, but you can, you can spend an awful lot of time looking for something. And when you get into something like bushcraft, so the whole center of everything we do is about going out and being as self-reliant as we can with as few items as possible. Would you not say that that's really what our, most of our goals are? Yeah, I think that's the end. Like once you get into it to a certain level, that's exactly the end game. How, well, I guess it is for me. Maybe it's not as for everybody, but the majority, how little can you get away with and go out and still be comfortable and rely on your skills and the specific gear you take to be able to have like a prolonged adventure, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to be carrying out, you know, a hundred pounds of gear. A lot of us, even if we're not ultralight people, we want to get our gear packed down to something that's reasonable to carry. It doesn't involve multiple trips, doesn't involve a lot of work. So we choose all of our gear to be extremely important to us in the trip. Regardless of the cost, it doesn't matter if it's a $3 knife or a $400 knife. It's the only knife you got. It's extremely valuable to you when you're in the woods because you're depending on that to help you make your fire. You're depending on that to potentially process food. You're depending on that to make tools. You're depending on that for a ton of stuff. And sort of the other side thing to this is the most popular knives and stuff that you can find at Canadian Tire Walmart are camouflage with black out blades. I was just about to say, one of my favorite knives, um, <clears throat> it's one that a, f a couple gave me, uh, friends of, our, of the mine and Mel's, awesome knife it's not super expensive it's an olympia so i'm sure everybody's heard of that name that's looked at any kind of knives as you know it's not like the high end of knives but i mean it's a good little knife i love it it's just the perfect size for my hand it sits in it well uh, i meant to bring it in but it's still sitting outside my gearbox but it's 100 percent camouflaged it's got a sheath that falls out of and the blade is black <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and i mean I, I picture like when I was camping with Jeremy, one of his favorite knives, you'll see it on every one of his videos. It's uh, it's a Canadian tire special. I can't remember the brand on it, but it was black dupe blade, 
green handle. Like, you know, great little knife. He loves it. He talks about it all the time. But it's very easy to lay that down, turn around, do your thing, turn back. And if it fell off the stump and hit the ground and you don't remember exactly which stump you laid it on, you, you may never find that again. A lot of our tools, a lot of our stuff is is that way. It's, and part of what how we even ended up here, you showed me an item you were hoping to buy. And I I was picking at you a bit to call it, right? <laughs> and I was making sensitive comments to you out of fun uh, about it being very feminine. Uh, which, you know, probably wrong of me. But besides point, it it brought up a really good point. And that's something we thought was important here is that something like that is going to stand out. You walk by the woods, you lay that down. It's unnatural. It doesn't belong there. You're going to see it. It's it's It jumps out at you. And that's that's a key point of what we want to talk about. You want to find items or make items jump out at you you want them to stand out and it could be tying a red ribbon to them it could be painting them a very bright color um you make them very shiny um i mean there's a, a lot of methods glow in the dark you can make them glow in the dark that'd be great in the evening and yeah and like i said you hit the nail right on the head there it is how to make your gear stick out and you mentioned some great ones there uh so i guess let's let's start with breaking that down so we keep using knife as an example, and I think that's just because classically that's the number one thing people misplace. I mean, I don't have any statistics to back that up, but just from word of mouth, everybody I've talked to in the bushcraft community, everybody has lost at least a knife. Next followed up would be like an axe or a saw. It always seems to be a cutting utensil for whatever reason, unless you, you count like your cutlery or, you know. Fire steels. Like yeah, fire steels. That's a big one too. And that, actually, I probably lost more than those than knives. You're right. Because they're tied well, and they're already black. There's there's at least two guys from the series alone that I've watched that went home because they laid their fire steel down and couldn't find it. You know? And it comes right to that point is they went into the woods. I mean, you had in their case, they were only allowed 10 items. We talk about this fairly regularly. You love the expression, one is none, two is one. Uh Trying to keep your gear small and compact means not taking two and three and four of everything. And if every item you have is very valuable to the trip, to the experience, making sure you don't lose it becomes of the utmost importance. And I, I lost a tent peg um, a few, last year. Uh, it wasn't the end of the trip. I can make a tent peg. But, you know, that bugged me. It still bugs me. I still think about it like where did that tent peg you go? lie awake at bed at night wandering having nightmares about the missing tent peg do you got the comments open by chance ben no okay we're gonna have to watch ourselves jeremy's actually on tonight Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so one of the things that ben mentioned and i mean it's probably the easiest straight up is painting um yeah. and i mean painting's easy to do Anybody can really do it. You can go to Canadian Tire and buy a rattle can. doesn't have to be any kind of fancy paint, but there are some keys to painting. One is what you're painting, and we're not going to get into how to paint things because I think there's probably many more better videos on how to paint a specific surface than we could ever cover in this little uh, video of ours here tonight. I mean, if it's going to be metal, there's videos on how to paint metal. If it's going to be wood, there's videos on how to paint wood. If it's plastic, like the sky's the limit, somebody can probably explain that better than Ben and I ever could because we're not professional painters. But the key to this is get a paint that's going to be potentially high visible. And if you don't want to be high visible, because there are some people out there that do like stealth camping. We've talked about this in the past too, Ben. Um, yeah. Just something that sticks out from where you're going to go. Have a little pre-thought. And if you're going to go to a specific area and you know there's a lot of a certain type of shrub reach, or in our case, I'll use the waterfall. There was a lot of pine needles. So you're going to have a lot of greens and browns. Maybe... Pick a color that's not going to be akin to that. You know what I mean? Maybe a bright blue or something like that. That may not stick out as much as uh, hunter's orange or fluorescent green or something like that. But it's still going to show itself against the contrasting background a little bit. And that's going to be the key to mostly everything we talk about here tonight. We're just going to kind of hopefully break it down and get your guys' gears cranking a little bit more if you haven't thought about this. 
Would you tend to agree with that, Ben? Oh, yeah. Um, but but you, you mentioned not mentioning paint, but I kind of want to throw this out there just because... Well, no, you, be my Jeremy's guest. Looking. I'm not a painter more specifically. Than. But, but I think if you contact Jeremy, he's got lots of nail polish. He can help you out with it. But no, nail polish is actually a great one. Um, I, I have three daughters and a wife, so there's, there's tons of nail polish around. And you get all kinds of fancy bright colors and shiny colors and metallic colors and stuff. So it's, it's an easy thing. You can just paint a piece of it, part that would stick up. That's And it, that sticks down to anything. It's designed. Speaking of the girls. Yeah, I'm going to go straight. No, I'm going to go close the door. All right, fair enough. And yeah, Ben made a real good point there. And that kind of, I totally missed that point. And he's right. Nail polish is great. It's inexpensive. Uh, but it's very, fairly durable, I'm sure, is what Ben was leading to there. It's easy to put on, but it sticks around pretty good. Oh yeah, it's 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 got got some decent holding power. I mean, it's designed to go on your hands and and, and get wet and and uh, I mean, ask any woman, she'll tell you. Half the guys I know actually. <laughs> I was gonna say nail polish has actually become quite the fashion statement across all genders. So, what do I want fair to say, women? Trying to save us a little bit here, Ben. <laughs> well, Gary tells me he uses it on his uh, fishing gear, so. You know what? I used to, when I tied flies, clear coat, I used to use that yeah. a lot on uh, sealing the head of flies and stuff like that. I haven't done oh, yeah. it in a few years, but I imagine I still have some around here. But yeah, anyway, it's a real easy paint to get a hold of. I mean, you can buy it anywhere. You don't have to go to a fancy salon. Actually, you'd probably recommend going to a fancy salon because you're going to buy like $30 nail polish and paint something that's probably not worth $30 or potentially maybe you are. I don't know. I'm not. But, uh, I mean, I think even the dollar store has nail polish now, does it not? You could get anything you want in this world dollar store, buddy. Like, that is the store to buy everything. Their selection keeps getting bigger. We should do an episode just on dollar store finds sometime. Uh, well, that would be an interesting challenge, the dollar store challenge. Uh, I know people used to do it for $10. I find it here it's kind of tricky because you can't really get three items for 10 bucks in our dollar stores lately, but you can, uh, you could probably easily, you know, up, up it proportionally and, uh, you get your shelter, your food, your cutting utensil, your rope. I think there's container, uh, your pot or whatever. That would be a fun one to do. And just, you know, see if there's any hidden, hidden gems there. Uh, okay. Maybe for a future episode, if you guys are listening or interested, uh, comment, let us know. So that's something you guys would be interested in. I know it's been done. Don't get me wrong, but it's never had Ben and I's flair on it. Our sense of style, if you will, <laughs> which is not existent. <laughs> Have you looked at me lately? Ah. <laughs> I'm looking at myself now in the camera thinking I should really blank that out. But anyway, we digressed a little bit. Sorry about that. Bring it back in. Moments of clarity. But uh, yeah, so painting's a nice, easy one to do. Um, another one for knives and things like that, that steel, if you have availability to it. And I mean, this is kind of luxury at this to uh, time is powder coating. And it's actually getting a little easier for the common person to do it. You can buy some of the, the basic stuff now fairly inexpensively if you're going to be doing small items. Uh, and it's, it's quite tough too. I've seen some, uh, uh, one of my buddies does some powder coating. He literally, it's like a... I don't even want to try and get into how, describe how he does this because it's like something with a car battery charger and a easy bake oven kind of setup. So it's probably incredibly dangerous, but it works. And Me? he's been doing a lot of his gear and stuff and it looks great. Like his tent pegs, stuff like that. Uh, he's been using bright orange. It sticks well, it adheres, and it's tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, that's a great method. So, yeah, coating it with a paint or, or some kind of enamel or, or you know, it is a great method. Buy one, tools or equipment that has color in it. Um, cloth things you can stitch a ribbon to. Hmm. Um, oftentimes, even with knives, I've done it before where I've just tied a piece of, of flagging tape to it. Um or just wrap the handle or something. I mean, there's lots of options you can go with. Um, brighter versions of paracord. Um, these are all methods. But if you didn't want to 
physically identify it so that it jumps out. The other thing is, is using a little bit of OCD and always putting things where they belong. Uh, yep. That's a method that I try to do. I'm really bad at it. But when I'm setting up my, my tent, for example, if, when you take your tent or your hammock out of the bag, every bag that I have anything else in, so my sleeping bag valise, uh, my tarp cover, if, you know, I got a bag for my tarp. Uh, if, if I take a pillow, there's a bag that that went in. All that, all those bags go into the, the, the hammock bag. The bag that covered all my pens, tent stakes, um, the bag that covers anything else, everything goes into the one bag and it gets closed up and usually tied at one end of my hammock or put in one corner of my tent and it stays there. If I don't have that rigid routine, when I go to take everything apart and put it back, you know, into the bags, I can't find the bags. And then I, I'm off for the rest of the, the trip because I've lost something. And maybe it isn't lost. Maybe it's just in a pocket of my, my backpack. But I, since I don't know where it was, it couldn't be packed away right. And it, it bothered me. And that's the thing. It may be still in your gear, but missing something that you think should be there can be very discombobulating. I mean, it can literally ruin your night's sleep, as Ben has attested to here at the start of Otis Tentpole. I mean, it can bother you. It can lead to other I, things. Pen, I oh, did yeah, sorry, Tent peg. Uh, and I mean, it's as simple as that. It, it's a huge psychological thing. And just adding on to what Ben said there, have a good system. Like for me and my knife, for instance, I always carry my knife on my belt. Uh, I very rarely take it off my belt just because that's where the sheath stays. And as soon as I'm done with the knife, instead of setting it down, even if it's only going to be a second, it goes straight back in the sheath. Because it's real easy to set something down and like you're working in spot X and all of a sudden you glance over and something needs to be done with the fire. Or there's a tarp flapping in the wind or something and you get up to take care of that because it's an emergency at the time. And you accidentally kick your knife and now you're on that whole hunting thing. You know what I mean? And I mean just for our location at the the waterfall, it'd be real easy to accidentally knock it into the brook and then it's gone forever. You know what I mean? Into the brook, into a small hole in the ground that you didn't really notice was there. And it's, it ends up, it, it, you know, it's there. You, you can, I've seen, I've, I've lost things, right? I know exactly where they do. I just can never get to them. Like it's, I can't reach it. It's, I know, uh, I don't know. I did, we didn't post the video, but my my daughter went ice fishing with with me last year with Gary, and she laid her phone on her chair. And when she walked away from her chair, she was being a little silly and she was moving my chair for me. I didn't ask her to and didn't want her to. Her chair blew over. We have it on camera. Her phone in that chair, gone. Like it was on the chair when it blew over. We picked the chair up. It was gone. It went down the ice fishing hole. We know exactly where that phone is. It's gone. <laughs> oh, no. And that's that's the thing. I have, uh, not my proudest moment, I have literally felled and disassembled a tree to retrieve an item that got trapped under, like, a crevice in it. You know what I mean? Like, a tree will get a split. It kind of ended up in there, and I'm like, I can't get my hand in there. I can't get it back out. Guess I'm cutting this tree down kind of deal. So, and that's not a situation you want to be in, especially if you're out there and you're trying to make a go over or something like that. That's a lot of energy. Uh, it's a ton of time. Uh, it's increased risk to yourself because that's now an activity you did not plan to do. So these are all things that can be alleviated. Like Ben said, just have a system. Uh, as Red Bear Tactical saying and Jeremy saying there, everything has a place and routine builds habits. So if every single time you're done with your knife, you get into the habit of putting it back into your sheath, you don't even notice it anymore. Like, I don't notice it now. If I don't need my knife, it's not being set down. It's going to my sheath. That's as simple as it gets. You know what I mean? And that could be as simple as I'm using my knife to eat because I, I do that sometimes as long as it's clean and I haven't been digging around something I shouldn't have been. Uh, I might be like cutting up a steak or something like that. And I may just turn around to talk to somebody and I'm guilty for this. Instead of setting it down, it'll go right back into my sheath. And to me, I mean, it's a little inconvenient because now you have potentially stuff in your sheath, blah, 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 blah. But I take the extra step and clean my stuff when I get home, which is another good thing you should get into. But every single time I need to find my knife, I can guarantee you where it's going to be. It's going to be on my hip uh, between the, what would it be? I think it's the third and fourth belt loop and a leather sheath. 
You know what I mean? Like I have a system specifically for that item. I have a system specifically for um, my fire steel. And that's another thing I was going to talk about here. I tether it. My fire steel is tethered to my bag when I'm walking around. And when I go to use it, it's tethered to my wrist. So if I do set it down, it's still attached to me. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it sounds a little silly. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I've lost fire steels. And if you're out there for like, uh, when I was younger and had more time, I was going home for like five and seven days. If you lose your fire steel on day one, that makes a real long six other days. Oh yeah. Especially at the time. Cause I didn't know anything about friction fire. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought I was doing good with a fire steel. Yeah. So. But uh, tethering things is, is, is a great idea. And, and we're, I do like the kayaking and canoeing and my wife, she says it all the time. She says, you tether it or you lose it. So if you're in, in something like that, everything gets strapped down. Everything has a plan. So if, if it somehow fell out of the boat, you can still retrieve it. And that's tethering, lashing, leashing, whatever you want to call it. Everything needs to have a place and it needs to be secure. So something's not going to fall out of, um, most of my gear, has a home it has a place it needs to be and i keep, try to keep it back there and people who've camped with me and have seen me when i've put something where it's not supposed to be they'll see me walking around camp like completely lost looking for it like digging through snow moving leaves because i get and I'm, i don't think i'm naturally an ocd person but i when i'm bushcrafting when i'm camping i really want to know where all my gear is because i consider it all vitally important and it doesn't matter if it's that 50 cent item that I bought last two years ago that I rarely ever use. It's, it's part of my kit. It's important and it has a home and it needs to be there. And if it's not there, it's considered lost until I find it and put it back there. Yep. Mel makes fun of me all the time. And this boils over from a lot of my bushcrafting stuff is the OCD. If I can't find something, it's gone. Like it, it, it's missing. I need to know where it's at. I have literally torn the house apart at two in the morning looking for the dumbest stuff because I, it wasn't where it was supposed to be. And it drives me insane. Could be something as simple as it was on my desk. I know it was on my desk. Lily decided to grab it and run off with it. And it could be nothing more than a, like a pad of paper and a pen. She wanted to go draw, but it wasn't where I left it. And it's driving me nuts. Uh, and if and you I, found it, I said, if you found it and was completely used up, you'd be perfectly okay. Okay, that's yeah. gone. I need to get another one. You don't care. It, but it, yeah. yeah, you get it. And that's the point I was uh, alluding to is I think, and I'm hoping, I'm trying to justify my own insanity on this one. As you get a system in place, it becomes so habitual, you just get used to it, right? Like uh, they say, yeah. if you do something 21 times, it becomes a habit. Uh, and if it's, I can't remember, it's 40 or more, it's an addiction or something. And that's kind of where you get into with your bushcrafting stuff. It's like, it's not, you become a little anal retentive about stuff. And Mel makes fun of me about that too, because when we go out camping, I do things in a very specific way. Like, you know, the old saying, there's no wrong way to skin a cat, skin a cat. In my world, there is. There's the right way, and then there's all the wrong ways. You know what I mean? Because there's one way I do it, and not starting out, like, generally I find the most efficient way that works for myself, and that becomes my go-to method. And I think we're all like that. You know what I mean? Very rarely do you something that's an easier way, and then you're just like, ah, oh, to hell with it. I'm going to try it this way because I know it's ten times more complicated. And once you get a system down to where it's broken into the easiest method, it may not be like the physically easiest, but longevity wise easiest method that runs into a lot of keeping your gear from being lost. And that comes into like making a high vis, putting it back to where it's supposed to be, uh, having a spot for it. Your fire steel is not just thrown in the bottom of your bag. Like, oh yeah, it's in the bag somewhere. No, my fire steel is on the fire kit on the front of my bag on the right side and the pen pouch tethered to the pen pouch. You know what I mean? Like I can tell you where almost anything important is in my bag. Granted, some things do get thrown in my bag. Like I don't have a specific spot for my hammock in my bag, for instance, other than somewhere around the bottom. It might yeah. be beside the pillow. It might be beside the pot, but it's somewhere at the bottom of the bag. You know what I mean? But specific items that I'm going to need and I rely on heavily, not saying I don't rely on the hammock, but fire steel knife saw things like that have a dedicated spot and that's a great system to get into and when you are not using that piece of equipment put it back in its dedicated spot and it'll always be uh, theoretically it'll always be there for you and and this is where 
and that's why we we got along pretty good camping and i think if you camp with another bushcrafter they understand immediately right when you're setting up camp they don't bug you they don't ask you what do you want for supper or what do you think of that loon over there they don't they, they leave you alone when you're setting up because they know if partway through him setting up his hammock i start asking him questions he's going to break his pattern and he's going to lose something or he's going to do something something's not going to be done right it's because you you broke the pattern you can't break the pattern once you're all set up it's all fun and games after that like you can act the fool you can talk with whatever you want but you really need to bring up the comments <laughs> jeremy's picking at you that's hilarious i love it uh but yeah ben 100 percent on the head there because i know he wants to go check the comments uh there is a pattern and that is the thing about bushcrafters. Like when Ben and I went uh, on our second trip by the lake, I don't think we said more than five, six words the entire time we had our setups done. But on the plus side of that, it doesn't take as long either because you know, your system, you know how to do it and away you go. Uh, mine was real good on the last one because we did the hammock video and I made Ben do most of it. So it was great. But, uh, but that's because we were shooting that how to video. And I, but I mean, anytime we go out, like Ben said, there's a system and it's not, it is anal retentiveness. Yes. But it's because the system works and most bushcrafters that get good at it, you know, quote unquote, good, whatever you set that standard at have a system and they stick to it. Not that they're closed minded. won't look at new systems that are potentially better, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> sorry. Um, it's not that they won't look at, uh, um, a new system. It's just that they have a, a way of doing things that they're used to. Um, and until they have a reason to modify that system, generally they stick with it. And that's not saying that you can't go, oh, hey, I noticed after the fact, you set your hammock up in XYZ, which is what Ben did to me uh, the first time we were out at the waterfall. He came over and said, oh, I noticed you did this. Have you ever thought about doing it this way? And I took a step back and I was like, oh yeah, you know what? That would totally be great. Like the whoopee slings. I had never used whoopee slings before. And Ben's like, oh yeah, you got to get yourself a set. It saves you a ton of time. I looked at his, boom, now I have whoopee slings. I will not go hammock camping without whoopee slings because they do save you time. And it's no more gear and stuff like that. And that's kind of where the method gets modified. But I don't change my method every single time. I just incorporated a new piece into my method. Yeah. But once you have that pattern, that's it's easy to see later, like, with the whoopee sling, I mean, the fact that there's no knots to tie, the adjustment is quick and simple. Uh, it's just, it's it's easy and, and, and smooth. It's easy to incorporate those in and, and improve your method. We're always improving, but we have a pattern. It's, it's, so that's, that's ex extremely important in saving your gear is having a pattern, having a process. So we've just, we've covered what? Good patterns, securing your gear, and making it visible. So that's <laughs> gotta get used that's, to smeared camera. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you had mentioned another one that I kind of want to talk about was polishing, making it shiny, right? So yes. There's. I have two points I want to make on the, the making something shiny. There's a benefit and kind of a, a drawback depending on your situation. Making it shiny, it kind of doubles as a reflective mirror if you can get it to that you know shininess where you want to do the old V and shine through it. Uh, if anybody doesn't know anything about that, there's great videos on it. Maybe we'll do one later for signaling for help. But uh, the only downside I see to shiny things, <clears throat> and I've run into this a couple times myself, is if you're on the water. Shiny things tend to disappear in the water on me. And maybe that's just my bad luck. But once it hits the bottom, it becomes a mirror and it just mirrors the bottom. Unless you hit yeah. the specific light angle that it reflects back into your eyes. Uh, I've lost uh, a couple knives, uh, a lot of plastic things, like with shiny surfaces, CDs, things like that. Not even out camping, like just off a bridge where we swim back in the old Dismen days. I've lost like eight CDs off a bridge, <laughs> never found any of them. Uh, just random things like that. But at the same time, in the woods, sticks out like a sore thumb. Like how many shiny things do you see on the, you know, the woods floor? Hopefully not, not a lot. Gold. Pyrite. <laughs> I, find, I find a lot of iron pyrite. <laughs> well, there's a ton of it in Nova Scotia, man. A ton of it. 
Um, anyway, once again, digress. Uh, silica, that's another one that reflects a lot. Ooh, there's another one. Uh, just put reflective striping on it, which helps you at night. Like, uh, it doesn't have to be losing gear. It can just be keeping track of gear. A lot of people change their guy lines out from their tents to paracord that has some reflective striping in it so that if you're walking back your light picks it up and you don't walk into this thing and either strangle yourself or trip over potentially you know twisting an ankle or something like that so it's not only to lose or to keep you from losing stuff but to maintain track of stuff uh as your lighting levels decrease fair to say yeah the the wild haven tent that i got from one tigress uh the straps that came with that the ropes that came with that it doesn't take much more than a candlelight to brighten them. Like they just jump out at you at night. And that that reflective material that you can get in a lot of that guidelines and stuff is is amazing at night. And that's when you can lose things really bad. So that type of stuff, hardly noticeable during the day. Like the reflectiveness is, is just lost in the sunlight. But come nighttime, you put a flashlight anywhere near it, it's going to jump out at you. And that's, you know. In that case, even if you lost it during the day, come nighttime when it, you think it would be harder to find, just run the flashlight across the ground, and if it's anywhere in the area, you're going to see it. It's going to just jump. And it also helps you back to your campsite as well. Like I can remember times when I had just the hammock set up with a tarp over it, and that at the time I think it was a camo tarp, which is even worse. <laughs> And, you know, you'd be a little ways away. You're not really lost from your campsite, but you're half asleep. You just went out to, you know, take a leak or something like that. And you're like, oh, where is that? And your light shines across it. And it's like, boom, fireworks off in the middle of the woods. Oh, there it is. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah. stuff really catches the light from a long distance, too. Because I've wandered off in the middle of the night. Like, I heard a sound. And I'm like, oh, I think that's, you know, XYZ animal. I wonder if I can get a, a look at it. Uh, and off you go chasing that thing and all of a sudden you notice you're you know a couple hundred meters from your camp you know the area so you're not too worried but you're like oh, i was somewhere around here you shine the flashlight even from 200 meters away you pick it up you know what i mean yeah no so uh i mean those are, those are some of the big methods you know things should have a home get into good patterns make things that are potentially lost more visible i mean it's it's for the most part common sense easy stuff there are things you can do in addition like the you can buy like the the uh, glow in the dark style paints put on things that would kind of help you in the, in the in the in the twilight time they don't last super long but. but if you have a uv light like you did on yours they light back up and just before we go too far i have a message from uh jeremy and i want to see if i got this right ben check your phone <laughs> i had checked my phone <laughs> uh it's just the way it came through you'll, you'll see anyway um up your friction fire techniques yeah no problem jeremy you and i you and i in bed we have to hook up sometime and have a few uh wobbly pops and a chat and we'll go over some friction fire stuff i'm i'm trying some new things uh and having really good luck with it and uh i think it's kind of neat i'm gonna be doing hopefully some videos for it in the next little while uh, providing I can actually get time to continue doing videos. But that's another what? story. <laughs> uh, Jeremy was asking about some of the friction fire methods he wants to pick up. And I, I've been working on a couple that I've seen other people do, and I think I've got them down to a good science. Uh, a fire plow method that's really reliable, which is hard to do in Nova Scotia. Because we don't yeah. really have the stuff in Nova Scotia to make a decent, reliable plow fire. Just because you need super dry stuff, you have to have super specific um, types of wood. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's better than me that can be like, ah, oh, you use anything, and off you go. And cool. I have to have very dry wood. I have to have very specific types of wood. And um, But no, this new method, uh, and it's not really a new method. People have been doing it a lot, but new method I'm trying. I'm having a really good rely reliability with, and I guess I'm tipping my hat here, but a fire plow using a piece of chaga. And man, does it ever hold the ember once it gets going? Because of course, Chaga is a fire extender. And anyway, I don't want to get down too much of that rabbit hole because we will uh, we'll talk about that some other time. I'm reading your guys' comments and I keep uh, <laughs> keep getting distracted. So yes, we've talked about painting, we've talked about uh, tethering, talked about routine. Uh, everything has a spot. 
talked about maybe polishing, making things shiny, potentially glow in the dark, uh, reflective. So these are all ideas you can do to me. And I mean, don't get me wrong. This all seems like um, common knowledge. Don't get me wrong. But there's an old saying, well, I guess it's not old, it's a more modern saying that there's no such thing as common sense anymore, only acquired knowledge. And if you've never had the means to acquire the knowledge, then it's not really common sense. So by that, I mean, yeah, a lot of this is common sense. If you want something to stand out, paint it a color that stands out. That's great. But if you never thought about that or really somebody jarred you to say, take a look at your gear. Does it need to be painted? Because, I mean, that green knife I was telling you about, I grabbed it, threw it in my hip, never thought nothing more about it until I got in the woods and I was sitting there. I'm like, oh, crap. I hope I don't drop this because that will literally be the last time I ever see it. Uh, actually, I was sitting in a tree stand when I had that epiphany, of course. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, these are things just to think about. And that's kind of the whole point of this video is to just get you thinking. Think about your gear. Does it all have a spot? Like in your backpack, do you just jam everything in the center like center pouch and hope for the best? Or do you have some kind of a system? If you do jam it in the center pouch and it's worked for you, cool. But maybe just think about making a specific spot for some of your more active gear. Uh, it might save you a little bit of time. It might, you, you may like it better, you may not, but it's worth trying. Uh, if your gear does happen to be darker colored, green colors, things like that, things that are going to stand out in the woods, maybe put a, you don't have to paint the whole thing pink. I'm not saying that, but you know, the back plate on a knife, paint it pink. That pink is going to stick out or a high visibility orange or a high visibility green or whatever color floats your boat. You know what I mean? Uh, in the instance Ben and I were talking about to start the show, um, last week you'd heard us talk about flashlights. Uh, and so I got to know what? <laughs> you couldn't wait, could you? <laughs> no, no, I can't. Uh, so I have, uh, I have a flashlight coming. That was suggested to us on that. I won't tip the whole hand. Uh, I have a flashlight coming that was suggested to us, and uh, it's in a very nice color. And we'll uh, hopefully when I get it in, we'll we'll do some discussion on that because I am going to do a review on it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where this all started off. And he said, "Oh yeah, that's a real pretty color." And I'm like, "I won't lose it, <laughs> and I won't because it's 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 dead sexy and it'll stick out." That's I'm sticking by that. Dead sexy. I might start wearing matching colors. Maybe my boots or something. Ooh. Don't do not do that around Jeremy. Oh, he's <laughs> fine. He'll like them. And no one steals pink gear. Ah, that's a lie. Uh, <laughs> um, my wife would steal Jeremy will steal your pink gear. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, I had a pick at, he's picking at me on, this, on, the, on my phone. Yeah, yeah. And Jeremy said that we're going to have to do some fire starting on film. And I'd love to, Jeremy. Uh, I actually had a whole series on it back when I did the budget bushcraft thing. And my old computer lost all seven videos on it. So I got really disgusted with it and kind of stepped away from it. But I'm ready to step back up and do it again. Um, because, yeah, it, it was sickening. I worked for months at getting that stuff done just the way I wanted it. And then it literally pooped the bed. And, and then it was gone. And I was just like, that that blows. <laughs> I'm not doing it again. <laughs> it and I don't think anyone who has never really tried to do a decent video realizes how much time and effort goes into making a good video and getting it, you know, ready to, to, to post. And then, like you say, when you lose it, it's disheartening is not the word, but it's, it's, it's close. downright hurtful, like in your yeah. very essence. And yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. We do videos, but our videos are okay at best there's like go watch some of jeremy's videos his cinematography is great i couldn't imagine how much time he puts into his videos knowing how much time i put into my videos you know what i mean and ben puts into his videos like it's not just oh record it throw it up there's like you got to record it you have to get the, the shots you want you may do an entire recording and realize that the light was totally at your back and you couldn't see nothing like there's a lot that goes into it Shots that look nice, uh, and then cutting it all together, editing out the ums and ahs and stuff like that. If you have a real bad one, we're like, um, uh, and some of my earlier reviews I did for a bunch of bushcraft, I sat for a 30 minute video. I had six hours of editing out ums and ahs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you have to just edit it out, splice it together. So it doesn't look like you're taking a seizure on screen. Anyway, <laughs> it's different story, different story. We're back to keeping your gear visible. Yeah. So. Yeah, glow in the dark. I never actually thought about that a lot. And if you had a UV light, that would really stick out. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything else that would really help, but I mean, the number one thing, and we beat it like a dead horse in this video, is that everything has a place, and you should have a system. Even yeah. with gear that's not super bright and sticks out, like my knife, it's brown handle. My sheath, brown leather. It's dark brown leather, too. Jamie Harris did that. Amazing quality. If anybody wants to check that stuff out. But I mean, if I set that down and kicked it under some leaves, it would be gone. So my yeah. system is, it's on my belt, the knife is in the sheath. If it's not in my hand, it's in the sheath. And it's as simple as that. You know what I mean? I'm not setting it down just for a second. I'm not, you know, it's right there. I can see it. Nope, it's in my sheath. And that's the kind of mental mentality you got to get into a lot. Like, I know it sounds ridiculous and like, oh, these guys are super anal about their stuff. And yeah, we are because we don't want to replace our stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? It all, not only is it financially a burden, if you lose the stuff, you get used to certain gear. My knife's not the most expensive knife, but it's my knife. I like the way it feels. I know how it works. I know the edge that's on it. I know that it's cantered ever so slightly to one side from that one time I screwed it up sharpening. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. my stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything you want to add to that? I rambled for quite a while on that one, Ben. I'm sorry. No, I, I think we've covered the general s subject. I mean, everyone has to come up with their own system they have to just sit down and go through the gear but as as they develop this system of making sure that they they can recognize their gear from from afar by you know making it more visible by having a place for it to go and when you have a place for everything to go it's packing becomes so much easier because if you don't have know where everything needs to go and you go to pack something all of a sudden stuff don't doesn't fit you know you I think everyone's done this where you, you leave for a trip, you got everything in the, in your bag, you get there, you do your camping, and then afterwards, you, even after you've eaten some of your food and you've lost a couple of pieces, your gear doesn't fit back in your pack. And you're like, why doesn't it? Because you didn't pack it back the same way as when you left. You just, you were kind of in a hurry to get out of there. You, you felt you, you were late or whatever. You just tried to cram things in. And it never fits well. But if everything has its place, you know why. Because something is out of place where things don't fit, the things don't work, it jumps out at you. It tells you that something's not right. So that, that's kind of the importance of it. Once everything has a place and you're used to it, then you know it's right. You'll you'll know looking at your pack from a distance that it's not right. There's something missing. It won't sit right. It won't look right. It won't feel right when you pick it up. It, it'll be evident. And as, even as little as something like your fire steel. If you know your fire steel is supposed to be in that one location, you go look at your bag and it's not there. It'll jump at you at you. Same thing as if, you know, it it, it was on fire. Yeah, no, and it's a hundred percent true. Once you get used to something, you're used to it. That's the way it should be. And I, yeah, once again, super anal retentive. But if it's not like that, you know something's missing, and you can pick up if something's missing like that. And the last thing you want to find out that you're missing is your fire steel on day two of a you know one week change hike we've already said that um oh yeah that sucks i've done that lost a micro sd card or i lost a whole camera actually i had uh this tiny i think it was a veto pocket 720 that i used to use for video in video because it'd always be small anyway uh, i set that down somewhere it's still out in the woods couldn't find it i set it down walked away gone but uh, I guess one of the last things we can talk about, and this one's kind of a no-brainer, but not a no-brainer, is when you're buying the equipment, you could always buy it in a color that sticks out. So not only for the, it sticks out and you can find it, but it could play a dual purpose. And the one I'm thinking of, is the one I'm glancing over here at uh, hanging up, is my sleeping bag. It's bright orange. So I can find it from a distance. Uh, it's still a great sleeping bag. And in the case that I get into more than I can handle and I need to be found... It also sticks, like I could spread that out during the day uh, and an airplane would easily see it. You know what I mean? So it kind of plays a double duty. Same as uh, I'm going to try and get a new hammock tarp. Not that I dislike mine in any way, shape or form, but I want it to be bright orange for the same reason. If I get into more than I can chew, I have that just little extra buffer zone. You know what I mean? I can spread that out. Not only can I use it as a place to sleep under, but now if people are looking in that area, they can see me from the air and potentially from further off. Um, I think my kid's alive. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, potentially if, what was I saying? Yeah, they could see it from further off than if it had been like black, like the one I have. 
I love the one I have, don't get me wrong. I've eyed up the one that Ben has, and I like the extra tie-outs on it, so I think I'm going to look for one of those in orange. I have the, uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I know Jeremy's seen it. I have the Mech Guide no, Seal Nylon Tart. It's candy apple green. Yeah. And, I mean, that's uh, a nice bright color to stick out usually. It It is. Uh, maybe, like, in aspen trees, it would kind of blend in with the underside of the leaves, if you know what I mean. It's, yep. it's, it's almost that kind of color. But for the most part, it's green. From a distance, it doesn't jump out at you horribly bad. But when you're within a, a hundred meters or so of it, it's pretty obvious that it's a slightly unnatural color. Uh, so that's a good one. It doesn't have to be, like you said, ridiculously bright or, or obnoxiously colored. But sometimes... And maybe that's a weird word to use for it, but sometimes obnoxiously colored, non-natural colors have to have that great advantage to it. Um, and we, I, I've seen some response on it. Like someone talked about, you know, tactical gear. That's one that's kind of guilty of that. But even like the traditional guys, the guys who like the, the tanned leathers, like you said, the 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 sheath that that uh, you had made a leather from from uh, Jamie Harris. If you go with your traditional muted earth tones, they're all, although not camouflage, they're earth tone. They blend in with the environment very easily. And it's it's nice, it's, it's aesthetically pleasing, but it does have a slightly increased risk of losing it. So, uh, I don't know how else to say it, I guess. <laughs> Look at the wheels returning. I didn't want to step in there. I, I, I kind of thinking about like with me when I get to a site. You've seen me do it. I tie my I I hang my pack in a tree. Yeah, you don't and you don't I, see my um, very often. No, and I, I'm very much the same. I like mine at least off the ground. Doesn't necessarily have to hang in a tree. Mind you, I've adopted that more and more, uh, but it can't be on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, and I just have a probably a three foot length of paracord. With a loop on it, I, I wrap that around a tree, and then I put the Marlin spike hitch with a, a little stick that I pick up off the ground. I just hang the the handle on, of my my pack right on that, and I just leave it there. I just hang it there. Then when I need to get something out of it, it's it's at a nice, generally. A, I think so that's just, still my kid. <laughs> I wasn't She's not sure. liking bedtime. <laughs> oh. uh, but it, it makes it not only easier to find because it's up there and in the open, it means that when I go to open things, I'm not bent down. I'm not working at, at a low level. Everything is basically at, at working height on my back. So that's, that makes it comfortable, easier to find. It's an, a system improvement. Um, and it's always usually one of the trees my hammocks packed to. So all my gear is in a small confined area, easy to find, easy to locate, not spread out. Um, I've seen some people that do spread your gear all over the place. And it's like, how much room do you need? <laughs> and the further your gear is, the more likely it is to lose something. You're reading something, I can tell. No, I heard the sound come from you. And I was like, hmm, interesting sound. Uh, I was adjusting uh, my mic level there. Hopefully, like I said, my child is not having the best time going to bed. And I didn't want that running through the background. That's all. Um, I was I'm playing with one of the flashlights we had for last episode, and it's uh, the back end is seized on, so I can't get it apart. Well, that's no good. Um, and yeah, I guess the whole point of this, like I said, get you thinking about your stuff. Jeremy needs a lot of room. Uh, and as Ben said a couple times, if you have a system of putting your stuff away, even when you get home, it's easier to clean your gear and put your gear back to where it should be. Like, my gear has a spot even here in the house. Over on my uh, my shelving unit here, I got my sleeping bag hanging, and I have three or four shelves there, and my shelves are specifically laid out for specific gear. So if I want to grab different setups for different getaways, it doesn't take me, like, you know, five days of planning. I can just go up and go, okay, I want my ultralight cook kit. I want my ultralight sleeping bag. I want my, you know, whatever. And off I go. Um... But yeah, I think I think that's probably pretty good for this episode. Um, is there anything you wanted to add into that, Ben, before we we sign off? Because I'm gonna have to go and assist with my child here. 
Yeah, no, uh, I think we covered that. I mean, we, yeah, we have a few other things we could talk about. It's not for this subject. Definitely diff, different shows coming up that we, we really need to talk on. Um, but no, I mean, we, I think we put a lot of it on the plate. You know, viewers and listeners that want to take it, think about it. You know, right, if you want to share your ideas, things you do to make sure that your gear is always accessible, always, work, you know, where you expect it to be, how do you maintain that? And how do you make sure you don't lose things? Because like I said, it's it's distracting. It can ruin a trip losing your gear. Uh, but worse, you know, it can put you at risk. You mentioned, like, laying a knife down. You put it in your in your uh, your sheath so you don't lose it. But laying a knife on a stump and then not thinking of it, next thing you, you could step or sit on it or trip and fall on it. I mean, there's a whole safety thing. When everything has a place and it's not out there, it's so much safer for everyone involved uh, because everything is where it's supposed to be and everyone knows where it's, it should be. When people leave things laying around, it's, it's only a matter of time before something gets broken or someone gets hurt. And you're in an environment where there's already enough risk. No, I completely agree. And that, that's the other, I guess, good thing to uh, having a system is it alleviates other potential problems. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have anything else on that. Uh, I'm sure we have lots to talk about otherwise, but uh, that'll All be right. other shows for other nights. Very good. Will you go uh, rescue your child from sleep and, and the dangers Hopefully thereof? Hopefully put her to sleep. Uh, she just does not <laughs> sound like she's enjoying going to bed, and I think her mother may be uh not having a good time putting her there <laughs> yeah i've oh, been there no, life no. it's fun <laughs> i highly recommend it to anyone who wants one. Oh, it's still great <laughs> don't get me wrong there's far more good than bad but every now and then you have an interesting time yeah. but all right everybody you guys have a good night and we'll see you next week see you next week take care